afternoon, the title of my message is, This is the Church. And I don't know what you think about church. I didn't always think good stuff about the church. Actually, in fact, and I brought a picture with you, I think church, for me in my life, on my journey, on my spiritual journey towards God, who is love, church actually was the first obstacle, the first gap. I had a weird picture of the church that I needed to overcome. And I, want, I was digging into the Bible and reading about it when I was about 19 years old. And then later on, I met some Christians um, who actually taught me what it really means, what the church would mean, but also what, um, what, what a loving God we have. And I found my way back to God. But I was, I was figuring out that, that church basically has an image problem. Christians nowadays have an image problem. And... So I want to dig into a Bible verse with you, one of the most famous Bible verses that is ever um, um, taught on about the church. Um, and my prayer is that tonight uh, you will get a convertible ride without any windshields. I brought you a picture of that. My prayer is that tonight your spiritual haircut whoosh, will be messed up. Because I don't know where you are on your spiritual journey. Maybe you are struggling to find your way back to God. You want to believe in God, but church or other Christians or your picture about Jesus is actually hindering you to really find how God really is. So I want you to imagine this. Um, to imagine, um, while, I will, while I will read this Bible text to you, to imagine you are sitting in the S-Bahn, okay? So just picture yourself sitting in the S-Bahn and what you're doing is you are actually, um, you're actually getting your iPad out. And since you're riding first class, this is like a first class experience here on this nice chair. Uh, you don't need any paper anymore. You have your Bible, uh, you have your 20 minutes on your app, right? And I want you to picture yourself um, sitting there and you open up the Bible app and uh, the, the 20 minutes app, the Bible app, you've done that in the morning already because you're a very good Christian and now since you're such a good Christian, you already also hear worship music, your favorite worship song. Yeah. So now you're sitting in the S-Bahn, right? 20 minutes and you're actually reading this text about your church, ICF Zurich. Just picture yourself reading that Bible text about ICF Zurich, your church. So you read in 20 minutes, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs people uh, per performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had needs every day every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread into the in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved could you imagine that this text actually was written today or Friday about our church just moving into the Samsung Hall. Now this is the church, the first church. They just planted the church um, and Peter was preaching 
and Pentecost was happening and 3,000 people got saved and they are starting to meet. This is the beginning of the church. And I don't know what that, that text does to you, but to me, it actually challenges me. It provokes me. It, it makes me sad and glad at the same time because I see there, there's a picture of a church. We want to be as a church, as ICF Zurich, and yet I see we are not there completely yet. I would love to see that daily God is adding people to our church. I would love to see that. I can imagine myself. I can picture myself. This is happening, but I don't see it yet. I would love to see that we as a church find favor in front of all the people and God adds daily. But what I see is this. Before we entered into the Samsung Hall, and maybe you've seen it as well, you were going out of the S-Bahn and you were going across that little pathway to the Samsung Hall and there it says on graffiti for a couple of weeks, ICF nicht willkommen. That's the second German sentence you don't need to learn. <laughs> uh, nicht willkommen, you're not welcome here. So obviously, we didn't find favor in front of all the people. There was at least one person we didn't find favor with, right? So I see there is a gap between the now and the vision where we want to be because this is still our role model. We want to be a church where all of that stuff is happening. I would love to see that. And at the same time, I see we're not there yet. And I found out that really, we, we, we as a church, we have an image problem. People don't see church anymore like they saw back in the days. People don't see Christians anymore like they've seen them back in the days. And people don't see Jesus because of those two reasons maybe anymore like they've experienced and see them back in the days. Yes, it's happening, but not in a way and in a, in, in a way how we would love to see it, right? So I want to paint two pictures this afternoon for you to come back to the image I think God wanted to paint with this Bible text and with the whole story of Acts um, for how church should be like. And the first picture I titled, let's help find people way that, let's, let's, find pe let's help people find their way back to God. Because I believe many of us, we have to jump. You see that picture again. We have to jump over different gaps. So I was actually uh, on a mission last, uh, two weeks ago with Patrick, one of our um, video guys um, from our community. And we were just um, asking random people on the streets, what do you think about the church. Let's see what they thought. Hey guys, we just asked some random people on the streets what they think about the church, what they think about Christian people, and what they think about Jesus. So let's find out what they think about it. Come along with me. Places you go, visit, yeah. if you believe in God. It's absolutely great. Sorry, I have an appointment. Uh, I don't believe, but I think today um, we kind of lack all of this as some kind of spiritual guidance. We have to run. <laughs> sorry. I'm not answering this on camera, sorry. Church. Church. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful place. My boss, he liked this church, but he quit my job and I, I don't know till today why. I, I really want to go to church and um, hey, hey, pray for my sins. Uh, it's a place where 
you get peace? All these different answers, you know. And I found this was actually the hardest question to get people talking. People were way less talkative with this question than the other two questions we will see in just a minute. Why is that? Maybe because people don't have a weird picture and people are, um, people are very um, nice on the streets. They, want, they don't want to give you a bad opinion, right? So they say, um, I, don't, uh, I have to go. I don't want to talk about it. Oh, yeah. There were some people like volunteers from our church in the parking ministry, they said, it's a beautiful place. And there was one guy who said, yeah, you find peace there. But the majority of the people on the streets, the highest percent to say, I, I don't know, it's, it's a place, yeah, it's nice, but they are not writing, they're not talking stuff that we were just reading, right? Let's see what the second question was, because I think we would only have... As a church, we, we could have an image problem, but I think people think about Christians also sometimes in a little bit of a weird way. So let's see what people thought about Christian people. You're okay. I'm one as well. <laughs> I think it's okay to believe what everyone believes. <laughs> Honestly, uh, on something, on some respects, I, uh, Christian people I came across with. I found were a bit crazy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I met another, a few others um, um, in Geneva and they've been opening me up to uh, another way of practicing uh, religion and um, I can see that it's totally in accordance to what I believe as well. Most of the Christians I like, I don't like the easy one that think they just know everything by themselves. I think it's good, every religion is good. Yeah. If it's, if it's normal, if it's extreme, yeah. it's not good. That's a good question. Most of my friends are very devout Christian. I myself grew up as a Christian. Yeah. Right now I'm mostly agnostic. No idea. Difficult, no idea. All these different opinions, right? Um, it was interesting to talk about people with that. That one guy asked, asked me back, hey, what do you think about? So I, I was just sharing about him. We actually could pray for some people there because people were actually trying to find God. They wanted to end up there, but they had all kinds of different pictures about the church and about Christian people that were actually like gaps hindering them to really find out who the true God is. So as I was saying, I think we have some sort of an image problem. Um, Gandhi already, I mean, he already, uh, one of the famous statements from Mahatma Gandhi, he, he found out that as well. He said, I like your Christ. Um, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Boom! That was a hit below the belt, right? Because I would assume probably more than half of the people here, including me, we call ourselves Christians, but so many people have weird opinions. They think we are crazy. We are not out of this world anymore. We are so unlike the Christ. And I think that's a sad thing because I think people think about ourselves, us Christians, and we are more famous about what we are against instead of what we are for. Right? We are against homosexuals, we are against sex before marriage, we are against drinking uh, alcohol, we are against having fun, we are against all these Ten Commandments, ding, ding, ding. We, are, we put all these rules there 
and we are so famous about what we are against, but Jesus actually had a different message. He was coming to say, here I'm for, I'm coming for the sick person, I'm coming for the people to heal them, to restore them, to give them life. I'm actually the way, the truth, and the life, and I've come there so that you have life to the fullest. If you read the Bible, if you look at what Jesus' message was, it was something he was for instead of against. And yet, we are so famous somehow for what we are against. And therefore, people sometimes have a distorted picture of what really our Jesus is like. Let's look quickly to the third question. What do you think about Jesus? What people were thinking about Jesus? Uh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus is my best friend. Memory of my childhood. <laughs> Guaranteed that I can go to heaven. So good. If I follow him. It's a story of a story of a story. So we really been, it's, it's really hard to say about, make an opinion about the person. It's a person that you should look at to, to be better, to go the good way. But I think he even had some bad days. Every people had. Because it's an old history, you know, very long time ago. But uh, yeah. If you believe that he exists, it's okay, but as long as I can believe that what I believe, I'm okay with living like that. So I want to talk for a minute, um, because I don't know where you stand. I don't know if, if, if you are one of the people that you find yourself having a not-so-nice picture about the church, a not-so-nice picture about Christian people, and you have no idea what to think about Jesus, but I want you to lean back for a while because I want to talk to the people who call themselves Christians and who actually crossed the line of faith and were actually there. Because I think our job is to paint the picture that looks different than the people who are standing there. And maybe you, have, you were standing there and I was there as well. And other people, maybe Christians, in my case, it was people who actually taught me how really, how good Jesus actually is. And I gave my life to Jesus and I make that, made that decision. And ultimately, I was standing in front of the God who loves me, who is so desperately in love with me, who unconditionally accepts me. No matter how I am, no matter how I act, no matter what I talk, no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, he loves me so much. And when I'm there, I find myself, I'm actually being changed. I'm being changed. You know, when I walk towards the cross, and I can do that all the time, daily, 24-7. It's called the exchange of the cross. I can give maybe a curse or a sin, and I can receive a blessing and forgiveness. I can give a bad conscience, and I receive no condemnation anymore at all. I receive freedom. I receive that Jesus is actually guiding me. The Holy Spirit is my compass. He guides me towards life to make good, good decisions. And I know all of that. And I think my job is not only to circle around myself and stay here. Wow, it's awesome. Jesus, you are there. Yeah, we do that on Sundays. It's good. It's, we need that. But then we need to walk back and actually reach out our hands to the people who are in our neighborhood, at the gym, at our workplace, wherever we are in school, and actually help them to find their way back to God. That's our calling. If you ever wondered why you're here on earth and why you're not all of a sudden, whenever you became a Christian, are in heaven, this is your calling, to walk towards the people and paint them a picture that looks different and paint them a picture of how good really Jesus is. So I want to challenge you tonight. 
who is the person next to you, desperately wanting to see a God who you already see and who just needs a hand from you to show them. We have two people here. We have many people here who are actually doing that, but we have two people who are doing that. And I want to show you a video of what was happening actually two weeks ago. It was a big celebration of that family. Let's watch that little clip. And he said that repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we will pray for that as well later, that really the Holy Spirit fills you up. And uh, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And he definitely called you. He called you to follow him. And this is what we do. This is what we are, what we are celebrating. Honestly, it's really uh, uh, grace that God pours out on our life is such a great gift. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, we could only imagine that if we if we are not able to share that with our family members, then there is no real joy uh, in our salvation. Um, and therefore, you know, this is the story of our family where uh, we've we've been able to um, pray for them and God giving us the the desire them, the perseverance to pray for them for, for the last 10 years or so. Okay, so Selma, I want to ask you, do, we, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that he died on the cross and he rose again? Do you believe that he forgave your sin and that do you want to follow him with your whole heart? Yes, I do follow him. So cool. So I will baptize you now in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> You're born again. <laughs> Ask you as well, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Do you believe that he came down to earth to save you? Yes. Do you believe that he forgave you all of your sins? Yes. And do you want to follow him your whole yes. life? Yes. So cool. So I will baptize you now in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. to pray and to seek God and to make everybody understand that there is only one true God and that is Jesus himself because um, it's not easy coming from a Muslim background it's not at all easy so it it's a blessing to have everybody especially when it's your family to come into God and to be um, new believers born again it's an experience that nobody can say yes come on so good actually i think joshua you're sitting there somewhere in the bag yeah wave your hands let's give joshua and aziza a big hand praying for 10 years that perseverance i think we need to celebrate that that is so good 
I love their story. And you can just ask them um, in the lounge afterwards because that story is actually an amazing story. It's one of those stories that you hear or that you read about when people coming from a Muslim background, background they, have, they have this awesome experience, this, this vision of how Jesus really is. And they, they've had that, that experience and it's amazing. But I want to challenge you, and, and, and I'm preaching to myself as well. Who are the people we are praying for? Who are the people where we are reaching out their hands and, and saying, God, I want them to be safe. I want them to see how you really are because you are so good. And I know that you're a good, good father, but they need to know as well. Who are the people? And maybe you take out, maybe if, if, maybe if you don't listen to the rest of my message, but you take out your smartphone and you write down two or three names now, I would be so glad. Two or three names that you would, would commit yourself to pray each and every day, like they did, that they eventually, they get saved as well. I want to see that. I want to see that some of my neighbors this year find their way back to God, and I'm, I'm committing myself. I want to pray for them as well. They've been here at the opening Sunday for the very first time at our church, and... Uh, and they loved it, but I want, I want to be someone who reaches out my hand, pray for them, help them, and help them find their way back to God. Hey, the second picture and the last point of to this afternoon is um, maybe that helps you, you know, that helps you to understand where you are standing yourself and where maybe other people in your surrounding are standing, um, where you position yourself. But the second picture, and I see that in the text as well, in the, in the Acts 2 text, is um, the picture of a balanced church. I want to encourage all of us, let's be a balanced church. And I need two people to uh, paint that picture and to really demonstrate. I need Carolina, let's welcome Carolina on stage, and Mr. Nico Bachmann as well, to paint this picture together with me. Awesome, great you're here. So I think one of the biggest misunderstandings when people read this text when people talk and argument and theologize if this is a word to begin with about church is the picture of being house church versus event church you know so there's people and also churches that say house church is amazing you know small groups is where it's really happening right this is the place where lives are being changed. This is where Jesus really is. And this is where friendship, where church is happening. They broke bread together. They were meeting in the homes. They were doing all of that stuff, having communion, having the time of their lives, praising God in the houses. And they were having such good time, right? This is what we need. And there's whole movements about that. But then there's another movement versus event church. No, you got to be kidding me, you know. We need momentum. We need praise and worship. We need huge crowds. We have a gospel to preach. We have worship songs to sing. And we have a message to proclaim so that in order people will receive during a momentum the life of Jesus, right? So we have this argument, house church versus event church. Actually, this is still happening in the area of the church world. And I think this is also one of the reasons why people are having a hard time believing the message of the church because they see the churches themselves are so divided. What do they think and what do I think about them? And I think, and I want to make a statement, um, I think this 
is not a problem to solve. This is not an argument to win. This is not house church versus event church. What if this would not be a problem to solve, but a tension we need to manage within the church? What if this is not either or, but it's actually both and? It's both and. So we have this stuff happening, right, Mr. Nico Bachmann? What's happening? What's happening? Yes, Tell we as ICF, we love to create moments. We love um, the big stories of the Bible. We love our creative God and we love to create ourselves because we want to invite people to see um, uh, like, like a good movie. Everyone loves to go to the, to the movies um, to see big pictures. And we love to create, when we do an Easter musical, like creating a picture, like taking an old story and showing the people how great and how beautiful our God is, how great and how beautiful His love is for everyone. And we love to welcome people here in church um, with uh, no strings attached. We love, they can check it out. They can sit, they can relax, they can see the beauty. And they can make um, their own, uh, their own um, picture of um, how God is and how much um, he loves them. People need time and people need a safe environment to, um, to um, see um, how God is. And that's why we create like conferences, like musicals, like the big events where we um, uh, create an atmosphere. That's right. That's amazing. I love that stuff, you know. If it were for me, honestly, I'd rather talk to thousands of people than two people. I like that. But I like that as well, somehow. I like my people, because this stuff is also happening, right, Carolina? What's happening? Yes, well, we also have small groups, and I believe small groups are especially important for us internationals, because in most cases, we arrive to a new country where we don't know a lot of people yet. And in my experience, my small group has become my family. It's my sisterhood, where I know we can all count on each other, when we can share what God is doing in our lives, and we can also pray and get to know more about God. And the vision that we have as a small group is that we want to become the women that God created us to be. And that's why we want to grow in intimacy with God and at the same time influence and be the light in our neighbor with our friends in the university or at our home even in our jobs. And that's why being in a small group, it's a really good opportunity to build new um, relationships, new friendships. And if someone doesn't have a small group yet, I really encourage this person to have one because it's really worth it. Come on, preach that, sister. What a good word. So true. So true. She actually just started with her small group. If you're a man, you're not allowed. If you're a woman, just go to her afterwards. And then within a couple of weeks, she can already multiply. <laughs> hey, so it's not this versus that, but it's both and. We want to be both. And I think, not only as a church, but I think as a person, we need both. Because we read that in the Bible, right? The next thing, we could go on and on with that stuff. We could go on, for example, just to give you another example. We could go on about teaching. If you look at the text back in Acts 2, we could talk about teaching versus evangelism. So you could say, ah, uh, you could say, for example, hey, we need good Bible teaching. We need a midweek service. We need a college. We need really, what we need to do is we need to feed our sheep. Because when they are fed, you know, they are ready and they're maturing. And they are on a discipleship journey towards heaven. And then there's other people who would say, no, 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 wait a minute. We need, what we need is evangelism. We need a gospel that we need to preach. 
Because at the end of the day, it's about that. At the end of the day, you know, you guys, you are so fat, you're almost fat, right? You are spiritually constipated. You're about to explode because we need a gospel to preach, right? And again, I think it's not this versus that, but I think it's both and. We need both. If you look at the text, we see both. We see that people were, um, where do we have that? There we have it. They were devoted, verse 42. They, they were devoted, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. All kinds of great nuggets out of the Bible. And they loved it, you know. And to fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. But at the same time, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs. Gospel preaching power right there. Boom shakalaka. They saw everything, right? Here in the text, it's both ends. And this is where we want to be as a church. This is what we are thinking every year. And I think next week, I think it's just a, a penalty kick I'm trying to position here for next week when you come back. Please come back and hear about ICF 2.0 when Pastor Susanna and Leo are preaching about that, what it means for us to be a balanced church, what it means for us to go forward also as an international community and reach other people, but also dig deeper. We need that. That's one of the reasons why we have the coming home course, by the way, and you can just uh, join that even tonight. Um, the first two can I have the slide of the coming home course? Yeah, that's right. So the first two topics are basically about what does it mean to follow Jesus? We talk about baptism. We talk about who really Jesus is. And then we talk about fellowship, small groups, how to really um, get you involved with that as well. But then we want to continue to help you and take you by the hand and help you to make an impact, to discover your talents so that you also reach out your hands, maybe become part of a, of a team here at, at church, maybe become part of a Sunday team, be, become part of a ministry. But at the end of the day, really use all of your resources, your time, your talents and your money to really fearlessly make an impact in the world God put you in. So it's always both end. We could go on and on, but I don't have the time to go on and on. But I think at the end of the day, I hope I make this point, it's not this versus that. At the end of the day, it's both end. So we need to come together and say, hey, let's shake hands, let's celebrate, and let's be <laughs> awesome. Let's be a balanced church. Let's give a big hand to those awesome people. I want to end with, with this little thought because the result is actually amazing what you read in verse 46 and verse 47 it's pretty amazing it says every day every day that is a challenge and uh, uh, that is a mind stretch by itself every day every day they continue to meet together I mean I'm glad that I meet with my small group Every other week or maybe once a week, every day is a different story. <laughs> they broke bread, ate together, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord, again, added to their number daily. That challenges me. For them, church was not a nice hobby. It was their life. It was their lifestyle. It was a calling they all had, something they had in common. How did that happen? Because the result that God daily adds people is pretty amazing, right? 
do we want to be there as a church? Yes, we want to be there. Are we there? Not quite yet, but we're on a good track, right? We want to be there. So I think when I was studying that, that text, I found a little bit of a key of how that actually was happening. And it's not the many signs and wonders. I don't, I don't think the many signs and wonders, I think that's a nice side effect that is the power of the gospel being presented and being right there and that sometimes convinces people but sometimes it doesn't. I think what it is, again, the key is laying in the middle, in the balance. Because if you look in the two middle verses of that whole Bible text, you can read it at home if you want to read it again. It said this, verse 44 and 45, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That's crazy love right there. That is unconditional love right there. And you might think, what in the world has that to do that God added daily? I think a whole lot. I think it's the fulfillment of what Jesus' prayer was when he was praying for the first church. He was praying in John 17, exactly that. He was praying, my prayer is not for them alone. He was praying for his disciples, for the 12 disciples. So he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, the church, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I don't know how you read your Bible, but when I read that Bible text, I don't understand it. I have a problem with it a little bit. I say, how in the world is that possible? Two phrases really struck me. They strike me, they, they hit me, because one of it is just as. Just as, may they be one just as. You, Father, and I am one. How in the world is that possible if you believe that the Trinity is the most intimate relationship ever be? And Jesus wants that. And when I think about my people, you know, my folks, let's begin with my small group. When I think about my small group, there are days where I say, I would take a bullet for each one of those, my fellows. My, I stand for my homies, you know. But then there are days, Leon, <laughs> where I would rather shoot a bullet. No. <laughs> but he prays just as. And then the other verse is, the phrase is, so that. So that they believe that I am the Messiah, that you sent me. So if we are this, <laughs> so that they believe, I think then we have a little bit of a job to do, a little bit of maybe of an attitude switch we need to take, I need to take, maybe even today. Let's focus on what unites us and not what divides us. Let's be a church desperately in love with the God. If you see that picture again with the three gaps, desperately being here and holding our hands towards the people who need to see how God really is. 
and let's be balanced. Let's, let's, let's stop arguing about all these theology difficulties, about how the church really should be like, that it's good for me, you know. But let's forget about that and let's be united. Let's be one. Let's be, let's be singing. We have a good, good father because worship actually unites us. That's, what, that's why we are doing this every week because we forget about all the different details that separates me from the other person next to me and we start focusing on the one who saved me, on the one who can save my people as well and who can actually be the good, good father for other peoples as well, you know? If we focus on that, I think our future looks bright. I think we can say we will be one of the churches and we are already, but we are, we are improving and we are desperately reaching out to other people. I mean, if you look at the Samsung Hall in every celebration, especially in ours here, but also at 9.15, the 11.15 and the 7 o'clock celebrations are the biggest ones. But if we look, I mean, we don't even have started. Um, this is half of the hall. <laughs> so you can, you can put that whole tribune about 20 meters back. Then we have more seats. I think there's potential in this town. I think there's potential in our congregation. Zurich is such an international place. Can we just stand up and focus on our good, good Father? Can we just worshiping Him? And then I would love to pray with us. But let's worship on the one who really saves. Let's worship and proclaim His name. Let's unite each other and say, this is the church. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about experiencing you and reaching our hands to the people that also need to experience you. But it starts there. It starts there that we acknowledge we have a good, good Father and He loves us.